Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, and I'm an American with a passion for British royal history. In keeping with the theme of this week, we are continuing to explore the various royal houses that have ruled and reigned over England throughout the over 1,000 years that there has been a sovereign of England. Now, we've already looked at the House of Windsor, but there are others that come to mind too. There are the famous houses of York, Stuart, Tudor, and Lancaster, but there are many, many more. Some that I hadn't even heard of until I started researching more. Their current house, the House of Windsor, was created as a clever PR move to help preserve the monarchy in a precarious time and to help unify a post-World War I England, to present a wonderful united British front. Now while that may be one of the longest reigning houses in England, are there any short houses? What was the house that actually ruled the shortest? Who can make claim to that? Well, stick around and I'll try to explain it. In order to find this out, we need to go back in British history, way back, back even when America was still colonies and territories. Now, the information that I found can be obtained through the website BritRoyals.com. When looking at this fun family tree, it's very clear when you can see when times of war broke out. Everything is clean and clear, kind of, and then all of a sudden chaos breaks out and it's hard to follow which house goes where. But in those cases, it usually rotates between one or two houses. With all these different houses switching back and forth, it can actually be a little difficult to keep track. But while I'm no expert, there could be one that could have an informal title of the shortest lived house in British royal history. And that, dear listeners, is the House of Orange. The House of Orange was the Royal House of England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland from 1689 to 1702. It served as a sort of break up or break in between the last times the House of Stuart would be the Royal House of England. The House of Orange ruled for a little over 13 years, and in that time, those that were sovereign were King William III of Orange and Queen Mary II. They were both sovereign. It was a joint sovereign, which is weird. We really haven't seen that. There's usually one person that's sovereign and one person that's the consort. Now we actually have a joint sovereign, which is something that's interesting to think about. William III was born in the Netherlands and Mary II was born in London. But how did this come to be? Where did the House of Orange come from? Of course, William being from the Netherlands and having the title of Orange in his name is where the House of Orange came from. And William and Mary were both cousins. Mary was the eldest daughter to James, the Duke of York, who would then go on to be King James II. However, that wasn't very popular. And 
William and Mary were invited by those that opposed James II to make claims to the throne and oppose him. They did so, and a revolution was incited, James fled to France, and ultimately in the end, William and Mary were crowned in 1689. Now at that time, Parliament was smart though. They had a few savvy people in there, and they passed the Bill of Rights, which prevented Catholics from succeeding to the throne. You know, put your hat, put your his- history hats on. At this time, there was still a lot of religious persecution between Protestants and Catholics, and they wanted to be sure that Catholics didn't make any claims to, to the throne anymore. And they did just that. In doing so, this ensured that Mary's sister Anne would uh, become the next queen. Also, at this time, in revolution and passing legislation to begin to streamline things, they also passed some legislation that actually limited the powers of the monarch. At this point, we've had the rules of especially the reign of King Charles II, and at this point, England is recovering from abolishing the monarchy and then reinstating it and trying to figure out what this new monarchy looks like because uh, previous autocratic rules really upset a lot of people. So at this point when William and Mary assumed the throne, there then were uh, legislation passed that limited the powers of the monarch so they could neither pass laws or levy taxes by themselves. They couldn't do it without consent. And this was done as a way to keep the monarch in check and then their role eventually turned into being what we see today, where they don't pass laws but they oversee and make sure things run smoothly. Smoothly. While they while they may have one of the shortest reigns, their reign was not easy. In fact, just after they got there in 1689, they were faced with two Jacobite attempts to regain the throne. They had just they just got there. They are they're still brand new, and they already had two attempts to overthrow them and have somebody else be sovereign because they had claims to to the throne. Now it was settled fairly quickly, and then things moved on, as you would expect a monarchy to move on to. There was one issue, though, that the king and queen faced, and it's a pretty big issue. They didn't have any children, so they didn't have anybody that they could directly pass the line to through them. And in turn, as I already said, they set up a line so that the throne would then move on. They would then pass on to Queen Mary, the second sister, Anne. Now, with the line of with that line of succession pretty much concrete, it still left them in a precarious state because they didn't have any children. Now, in 1694, Queen Mary II died from smallpox, and William ruled alone until he died. Now, in 1701, following the death of Prince William, the only surviving son of Queen Mary's sister, Anne, the act of settlement was passed, ensuring the succession of Protestant heirs. So at that point, they really wanted to do their best to cut off the Catholic line. And so they, with this act of settlement, it went through the Protestant heirs through Sophie of Hanover instead of the Catholic heirs to James. Now through this, through this, after uh, Queen Anne died, she was then succeeded by George I from Hanover, who was the great grandson of James I. That's how that line makes sense. 
William died, King William died in 1702 of pneumonia following a broken collarbone after he fell off his horse. So then the throne then gets passed to Queen Anne. And if any of you watch the film, The Favorite, this is that Queen Anne that we're talking about. Then after she passed away, it then passed over to the House of Hanover with George I. And then we have our first set of Hanoverian kings. And then from the Hanoverian kings, we then can draw a little bit more concrete of a line to our current sovereign, who is Queen Elizabeth II. Now, fun fact, during their time as king and queen, uh, they did have some impact over here in America. Have any of you ever heard of the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia? Well, that's the William and Mary that is in question. In 1693, the college was erected in honor of them. And in fact, in their archives, they still have the royal warrant issued by the king and queen to make this college. Now, I had a friend that from high school who went to the College of William and Mary, and she had a wonderful time there, and she was incredibly successful there. And I believe, if my memory is correct, one of the last times that Queen Elizabeth came to America, she stopped at the College of William and Mary, and she got to see the royal warrant for herself, which was the first time a sovereign saw the royal warrant since it was written. And there you have it. That is a very quick and brief overview of one of the shortest lived uh, royal houses to rule over England. It does have direct connection to the current queen and it's kind of interesting to, to, uh, to think about when looking at the royal timeline, we see lots of uh, Stuart and Tudor and Hanover. And then in the middle, there's this little house of orange and it sparked my interest. But back in those days, it was common for the royal house to change frequently and have people lay claim to the royal house and challenge who was king and little revolutions happening everywhere as uh, someone who thought they were better fit would lay claim to it. Now, in today's modern day and time, it isn't something we really think about. Somebody laying claim to the royal house isn't something we've had to think about for decades, centuries even. And the monarchy is something that has become so consistent that they've done everything that they can do to not have the royal house change. They actively are doing what they can to not have this change and this constant flow of from sovereign to sovereign to keep it that consistent front. Changing the royal house brings a lot of chaos and instability and that's something that they don't want to have to live through. But that is a very quick week and quick overview into some royal houses in England. We've looked at the House of Windsor and where that came from, because that seemingly came out of nowhere. And then a fun little anecdote story about the one of the shortest lived houses in British royal history. If you want me to explore uh, any more royal houses and into the maybe delve more into some of something like this, just let me know. If you have any ideas for episodes in the future or want to let me know how I'm doing, you can email me at britishroyal 
at gmail.com. You can message me. Let me know what it, uh, what it is that you want to hear me talk about. Let me know what you want for future episodes. Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know how I can improve this podcast for all of you. Do you want longer format episodes or do you like these short little around 10 minute episodes? Of course, like, review, share, subscribe, share it with all your friends. And I will... I upload episodes every Monday and Thursday. I put out two a week for you guys, and I hope all of you have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you guys in the next one.